ASI Season 3. This is episode 57 of this here podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. 57. Yes. Episode 57. We're up there in season 3, right? It's a kind of a Heinz 57 kind of a show. <laughs> I know. Another cultural reference that you probably don't get unless you live in the United States or Canada. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Australia? You guys have a Heinz 57 sauce, do you? UK? Ghana? Africa? Uh, it means mixed, right? Like a lot of stuff in this sauce. Today, get into some indignation. Always makes good listening. Right? Answer some email. Here we go. A little metal on the show today. This is the Devin Townsend Project. Pray like the mountain, indeed. That's uh, Matthew 17. Jesus talks about you know having the faith to to move mountains, and it feels like that when it comes to taking on sexual addiction and pornography, doesn't it? It can feel like that kind of weight in in seeing this behavior change because of the man. I get it. All right, I've been there. The years of just uh, like I did it again and feeling like is this going to change right I've man I've been there more than you guys know get into some of that today that is Devin Townsend of the Devin Townsend project if you want to download any of the songs on the podcast that I've played it's called bumper promo music in the talk radio business, uh, you can go to the website asi247.org. You click on that little music tab up there at the top. Um, I know after you're done with the donation tab, there's a little give tab. You, after you, do, I know after you're done with that. <laughs> after you're done with that one, um, I'm, I'm messing with you. All right, just kidding. But anyway, uh, so you go to the website asi247.org. You click on the music tab and you can download the uh, the songs that I play on the podcast here uh, Devin Townsend and, and me Russ Shaw we both believe everything the same and we both totally agree with each other on all of the stuff that we believe that's a that's a joke by the way that's not true making sure you're awake over there <laughs> I don't I don't agree with everyone on everything and for God's sake of God in heaven, who I love. I do not agree with all of the bands and the music and the messages of every musician and band person that I play. Just uh, just throwing that out there. And them, and they, I'm sure, do not agree with everything I have to say either. Just so you know. 
Just because I play a song on the show doesn't mean I endorse everything they say, nor do they endorse everything that I'm about. It's just common sense. I don't agree with everybody on anything, all right? I agree with Jesus. Other than Jesus Christ, I do not agree with everybody on everything. And some of the stuff that Jesus says, I have to check myself on and go, eh, I'm going to have to maybe change my right opinion about some things. But anyway, so just throwing that out there. There's people that have been concerned for the music and playing the show for a long time. And it's kind of like uh, something, something that Jesus said, and I actually have it on the website. Um, you know, it, it's not what you put in from the outside that makes you a jacked up person. It's what comes out of you, all right? It's, it, it, the music doesn't make you do anything. The music is simply a, uh, a soundtrack to the things that you already enjoy or like or uh, emotions that uh, resonate with your heart, right? Anyway, so music is just music. I don't necessarily like a whole lot of Christian music, all right? It's just me. I'm a Christian guy. I listen to a wide variety of music. So, um, and that's okay. It, that that really is okay. Just so you know, uh, I have friends, church friends, who are just man, strictly Christian music people. I don't listen to anything except for Bill Gaither on cassette tape. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know anybody that listens to just Bill Gaither on cassette tape. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's you. That's cool. Uh, don't judge me, right? There's a difference between judgment and discernment. So, a little punchy today. You feel that? You like that? I don't know. Uh, my talk with Paul Young last two episodes was awesome. Um, he was challenging me and spoke into my life. And I, I read his book, The Shack. I do recommend The Shack. Uh, I, I don't know if I agree with them on everything theologically. Uh, hopefully I can do another interview. But it's not really going to be about whether we agree theologically. Like, that's not my my main gist, right? Like if I ever become the Christian theology police, I'd fire myself from my own podcast, <laughs> right? Oh, it's horrible. Who wants to listen to that? But yeah, man, I love Paul Young. I, I, I love The Shack. It's a, It's a very... Where is God when life absolutely hurts and is excruciatingly painful and, and horrible things happen? Where, where's God when that kind of stuff happens? And, and that's what kind of story it is. And, uh, and yeah, I hope that Oprah Winfrey does play Papa in the movie. I think it would be interesting. Um, I don't agree with everything Oprah Winfrey says either. So save the emails. All right? I don't. Uh, and that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay that Russ Shaw doesn't agree with everything Oprah Winfrey says. Uh, what else? Um, Devin Townsend and Pete Townsend of The Who are not related, by the way. I wanted to throw that out there because I know I stirred up some of that cognitive dissonance in your mind when I said Devin Townsend. That's, that's what I thought, too. As soon as I heard Devin Townsend, I'm like... That must be Pete Townsend's cousin or son or, right? No, it's not true. See, assumptions. See what happens when you assume things? You're usually wrong. 
<laughs> it's just the truth. Assume, right? You know how to spell that? A-S-S out of you and me. It makes an A-S-S out of you and me. That's what assuming usually does. Again, uh, this is a, a show about uh, judgment and discernment a little bit. Communication skills. Intimacy, right? It's learning how to get into another person's uh, solving stuff without kind of coming up with our own conclusions. Uh, it's something I've learned to, I need to ask more questions and, and not assume so much. Learning and growing through better communication skills. Play a little more of that Devin Townsend, not Townsend's uncle, son, or daughter. listener email today and again go into the righteous indignation that I have which again always makes for good listening right most talk radio is like that it's it's righteous indignation right like we we want to correct a wrong we hear we hear about an injustice or we're gonna talk about the things that need fixing in the culture or in the nation or in the right like people on the right will listen to conservative talk radio and people on the left will listen to the news, right, or or the lefted, right, leftist, whatever. So people tend to go towards the things they believe and in righteous indignation, like, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. A little bit about that. Uh, something that I read that really bugged me. And so that's most of Facebook, by the way, too. Like people post out of righteous indignation, right? Like somebody will put a post up because, I don't know, they got a bad latte at Starbucks. I don't know. Some stuff like that. Um, my email address, Russ at ASI247.org. Going to get into some email today as well. Um, got some, some heavy emails last few weeks. And and again, my, my talk with uh, Paul Young, really great stuff. Really helped uh, loosen up some, some congestion in my spirit over the whole uh, leaving my, my church thing. And some of my brothers and sisters that are feeling, you know, beat up by the whole thing. So it's been good. Anyway, uh, so WebMD, if you do a search on uh, pornography addiction, one of the top searches that you'll find is a this little article from WebMD that says, is pornography addictive? And it's it's 
pretty high ranked up there. And, and I wanted to address it because it's, again, <laughs> it's coming from a, a Christian perspective, all right? If you're not a Christian, don't, don't let that scare you, all right? I'm not a, a big religious cat. As a matter of fact, I believe that religion is a big part of the problem, all right? Not going to go into that. There's a whole bunch of episodes where, where I talk about that. But uh, this this topic, right, is pornography addictive. Um, whoever wrote the article or whoever put it together uh, was talking about a study that was done back in 2004. So I think some of this uh, information is pretty outdated. I'm surprised that it lands um, where it does. But this really is a, a big topic of debate and discussion in the world of psychology. Um, is pornography addictive? Um, psychologists have been debating this, and that's the article that pops up. Um, it starts out like this. In November of 2004, a panel of experts testified before a Senate subcommittee that a product which millions of Americans consume every day is dangerously addictive. They were talking about pornography. And uh, that, that's what this, this article is about. So there's people who are going to protect the porn industry, of course, right? They start out with a... Uh, <laughs> some some information from a researcher from the Kinsey Institute, which I don't know if you know about Kinsey, or uh, don't don't Google it. All right, Kinsey, kind of a jacked up dude, uh, evolutionary biologist. You, you said for a while that oh, you know, we just need to lighten up about our our sexual freedom and just you know have sex with whoever we want. There's nothing wrong with pornography, and. Uh, 30, 40 years later, we're finding that, yeah, we have some issues in this area and it's caused some problems and it's hurting people. And we have a, <laughs> Kinsey's just wrong. All right. I, I think I can comfortably say that just looking back on, on 30 years of, of history and culture. But anyway, the rest of the article goes on to split hairs about the definition of compulsion and addiction, all right? So, and, and for me, I'm just, a, I'm just a dude, all right? I'm just a common sense kind of a, you know, I go to work and, and, I, and I come home and I pay my bills and I'm, I'm just an American dude, all right? I didn't go to... I don't have a magna cum latte or mocha degree, all right? I, I don't, I'm not a PhD. Um, I have some friends who are, are pretty brilliant people who've been to college, and, and there's some folks who, who seem to have way more, you know, like intellectual wherewithal than they do common sense. And and this is <laughs> this is totally one of those things, right? Like, okay, compulsion and addiction. Um the, the, it's like you want to just sit there and split hairs over what the definition of these words are. I did a whole season, a uh, season two of the podcast here, which is basically defining words and how we define words um, like freedom, for example. Uh, love, how we define those kinds of words changes our whole outcome. It changes our outlook on life. It changes the way we do life. So, you know, when you... <laughs> It's like I'm I'm addicted, like I'm hurting. I I need help in this area. Somebody comes to you with that, and you're, you know, you're just trying to, I don't know, all this messy. Listen, an addiction is simply a bad habit. All right, a compulsion 
it's it's a bad habit. <laughs> it's 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 you caught in a bad habit. It's a it's reacting to a bad habit. It's not having the a habit is one of those things that you do that you don't necessarily want to do, but you do anyway. That's the same with a compulsion. It's the same with an addiction. People that are hurting need help in this area. Um, splitting hairs over the definition of compulsion and addiction. I don't see how that's that, that helps people. So anyway, um, I just had to get that out of my system because it was, uh, it was bugging me. And the article ends with, uh, some Dr. Jansen or so-and-so talking about the worsening effect of pornography addiction. Like the stuff that got you off last week doesn't get you off this week. So it gets darker or weirder. And then you're, you know, Eventually, you're looking at animals, um, stuff like that, right? The compulsion to look at the same material is not giving you the same high. Um, the Your brain on porn.com, guys, would call this the Coolidge effect. Um, it's like eating popcorn and expecting to get some nutrition out of it. So you just stuff your face with more popcorn and it's just not working. So you, you pour beer on your popcorn. I don't know. It's maybe a bad analogy. But yes, there is this worsening effect to this. But she's saying, and this is how the article ends in this WebMD thing. So it says that there's no, there's no conclusive evidence that that's, that's how pornography uh, addiction works or compulsion. Um, I disagree. Uh, I think that people who are listening now would disagree. It's just it's just bad old information. I'm surprised that it's up. People Google this kind of bad information and it leads to all sorts of problems. Like, for example, a woman whose husband is in this compulsive state of his porn addiction and she's thinking about whether she should divorce him or not and goes to Google and, and reads this thing. And it's like, I don't see how that's helpful, right? It's just like, oh, well, he could change if he really wanted to. You know, it's not an addiction. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. It can lead to that kind of thing when it ends on this note, right? Or the guy who's struggling who reads this and goes, okay, you know, I'm not an an addict. I must just be a piece of garbage. That's usually where I landed. Like, I just can't change this about myself. I, it must be just me. I'm just a, I'm just a worm or something feeling like that. That's just not helpful, isn't it? It's not true. Um, 123,000 now people on NoFap, on the NoFap website, partake in the ultimate challenge. This is a Reddit, uh, subreddit on the website, Reddit, dedicated to uh, stopping the use of pornography. All right. There's a hundred, again, here's, here's some evidence for you. 123,000 people are partaking in the ultimate challenge of quitting pornography. <laughs> okay. So maybe there's some evidence there for you. All right. Anyway, I got that out of my system. Just had to address that. Uh, moving on with the podcast here. Um, I'm going to talk about some emails, man. I got some emails from some folks. Uh, Brazil. Got a got an email from my homie. We'll call him Mr. A in Brazil. 
Mr. A or Andre, his name's Andre, all right? I'll just use his name. I'm sure there's more than one Andre in Brazil. <laughs> Using his first name is not outing the dude. But he speaks English, right? He's an English-speaking cat in Brazil. And uh, talking about how the, the podcast has impacted him and, and how um, that Brazil is becoming more uh, high-speed internet uh, savvy, right? Like how that country, like what's happened here in the last probably 15, 20 years is happening in Brazil. Like we here in the Seattle area and we're a pretty tech savvy part of the country. Um, I mean, high speed internet came along around here about, about 1999 to 2000. We started getting, uh, cable internet, internet, right? Like a, a lot higher speed than dial up. Um, that is happening now in countries like Brazil and how it's changing the culture and how he's talking about, you know, the way you talk about God and the way you talk about your faith and, and Christian beliefs and, and Christian doctrine. Uh, it, it, it's different. It's, it's deeper, maybe. Um, and, and he's want, he's wanting to teach that he's wanting to, you know, uh, and I'm proud of the guy, man. That is awesome. I'm so incredibly encouraged by that because here's what happens when things like high speed internet come into a culture, especially with the young people, it makes the world smaller. All right. The world has gotten smaller here in the United States. It's not just because of high speed internet. Um, but that's a big part of it. Like you can just chat with people all over the world. You know, 20, 30 years ago, I had a girlfriend when I was in high school who lived in Eastern Washington. All right. Just about 150 miles, 200 miles from where I live. We had this long distance relationship. I racked up a $450 phone bill. All right. You don't do that anymore. You can talk with people all over the globe and, and it's, it's free, you know, if you have a high-speed internet connection, it's it's free outside of your whatever your monthly payment is for your bandwidth, right? Um, that's different, and that changes the culture, especially when we think about God and when we think about faith and when we think about how we do life. It does change people's worldview on, uh, on, on, on faith, issues of faith, right? Especially some of these old, clunky, you know, just morality-based. Listen, if people don't know Jesus, the morality doesn't matter. The morality people and the moralists and the you-better-obey-these-rules people killed Jesus, all right? God came in human flesh, entered into time and space, and the religious people killed him. <laughs> That's bad. All right. That's that's what morality does. If people don't know Jesus, it, that all that stuff, it doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter. No Jesus, no Christ. It, it, the morality stuff is is good. All right. It keeps people. Um, but but what is it based on? Uh, if you just teach morality, if you oh, well, I'm into discipleship, Mr. Shaw, and I think you're breaking down. Dude, I. I talk about, and I have recovered from, one of the toughest addictions there is to recover from, all right? I have almost 10 years under my belt of, of uh, freedom from this thing, all right? And let me tell you something. It starts with grace. It starts with having a 
power that's bigger than yourself, that is love, does care about you, is not distant, that's number one, all right? This cold, morality-based, do these things, don't do those things. Um, Yeah, man, I think it's really important that we teach relationship with Christ. It's like it's like my friend Paul Young said, God is in the verbiage, all right? God is in the relationships. God is in loving people and calling people to himself. God loves to see us walking in, in love for one another and freedom, not being in chains and addicted. He loves to see us in wholeness, right? Like being whole people. I love it. There's another thing that Paul Young said that that stuck with me, and I and I thought it was really powerful. Um, being whole, wholeness, all right, is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. So, again, when you try and stuff morality in from the outside, it just leads to shame, or pride, or despair, right? Pride, look how awesome I am because of the things that you can do and you do do. Or despair, I can't do it, so God must not love me. And then you just fall in. That's not wholeness. That's not walking in freedom. That's not understanding love with God. It's not just a higher power, but a God who is present, who loves you, who knows you, who walks alongside you, who isn't distant. All right? Important stuff. It's biblical. <laughs> People get away from the Bible and start making up rules that aren't in there. And it just leads to death and shame. And it's just not healthy. It's not good. And hopefully some of that addresses another email I got from uh, a cat named Kyle. Uh, Kyle's 22 years old. Uh, I don't even know if he's where he lives in the world. <laughs> he's a pretty fluent English speaker. I'm assuming he's... American or Canadian or possibly from the UK. I don't know. But he uh, he asked about the, the cravings and the urges and the, again, the compulsion to pull us back into that area. And if that ever goes away, right? If that ever totally goes away, um, man, I feel you first of all. All right. I've been there. It's, it's, it is it hurts and it's troubling and you just feel like you're out of control in your own being, in your own body. And it's frustrating, man. But it takes, again, it takes work and it takes reaching outside. Like you did sending this email. Um, it takes doing stuff like that. It takes getting outside of yourself. Part of this is the fact that you're locked inside of your own well of thinking. I was, all right? I'm using my own story to explain my position. Um, Locked in my own thoughts. The the behind-the-counter analogy. I don't know if you guys have heard that. I'll address it quickly. Um, This comes from a guy named Charles Stanley. He's a pastor, preacher, and he had this brilliant analogy. He said, um, his dad had like a mercantile exchange or, or knew a guy with a mercantile exchange. I don't know. But it's like a store. You think of a storefront small business, right? You walk in the front door of the small business. There's someone behind the counter and they and they serve you, right? They, Whatever it is. It's pizza. I'm in the pizza business. You know, there's, there's a guy there. He You order a pizza. He gives you the pizza. You may know his name, that kind of thing. Um, but most of us as 
individuals, we're kind of like that small business, right? Like we see most of the people, they walk in, they see our storefront, they see our identity. We're a man, woman, young, old, um, our, our profession, right? They know these things about us on the surface. They walk in, they, they do business with us, right? <laughs> we have these interactions and exchanges, but there's those few people that we let behind the counter. All right. In the pizza business, we have the guy that comes in and, and he, he knows the books, right? For example, that's a little deeper than just the relationship with the guy at the counter. Um, there's our friends who may come back behind the counter. We bring them back and show them, I don't know, a, a refrigeration system we bought or something like that, right? Um, that kind of thing. You see what I'm saying? So behind the counter relationships are deeper than, than most of the surface relationships. I didn't have a lot of behind the counter people. All right. I didn't have any when I was really in the compulsive stages of this thing. So it was important for me to have that kind of behind the counter relationship with some folks who also shared my same worldview, uh, which is important. All right. Who spoke into my life on a, on a deeper level because their lives were, I mean, they're, you know, not, not perfect, but again, on the same trajectory in life as far as what is valuable, right? As far as what is, um, worth pursuing and, and not worth pursuing. <laughs> That's a big thing about worldview. So those kind of folks who I respected, uh, having them behind the counter and to speak into my life and I, and me being able to speak into their lives, that kind of thing was, was critically important. Um, for a while there, I kind of got to the point and maybe this was out of pride or, just, uh, you know, being the edgy kind of shock jock talk radio kind of person, you know, modeling the show after that, I started to get, you know, kind of letting too many people behind the counter. And that was an issue. So that's something that I had to step back from a little bit, not being so cocky about my past, especially when it comes to my wife, because that hurts her. Nobody, everybody doesn't have to know that I was a sex addict. All right. Um, I do keep my profile separate. I have a, a like page on the Facebook page. That article from WebMD is on there, by the way. Uh, the, the Facebook uh, page is on the website, ASI247.org. But that's an example of that, right? Like I'm trying to keep this podcast and this ministry separate from the rest of my, my life because of my wife and kids. And it's not that I went around, you know, bragging about the fact that I was a, the things I did sinfully, but I would, I would openly talk about some of the hurt and, um, and yeah, about porn addiction and it wasn't always healthy to let everyone behind the counter. So there's that as well. It's good to have people that you trust behind the counter to speak into your life because letting too many people back there can also lead to, you know, somebody grabs the cash drawer <laughs> or something and runs out. Um, people can hurt you. So again, there's some discernment involved there. That's something I said uh, with my, my talk with Paul Young. You know, I was talking about, I thought I had the the addiction stuff and the behavior stuff and the understanding life stuff under control right at the end of that interview. And, and here I was hurting and Paul kind of pulling some of that out of me. Um, 
it's it, some people might have taken that as oh well Russ is still an addict and a porn addict or a sex addict or or, or whatever right uh, what I was really talking about there was that kind of behind the counter relational um, place of being that I was like like a church is like that when you get with people and it feels like family right. It feels like home a little bit. When that whole thing came crashing down because of the stubbornness of, of the pastor or the leadership, um, it affected me. It hurt me. It started to, I started to question my, my identity, right? My identity in Christ and my identity as a Christian. So that's what I was really referring to when I said that, just to, Put your mind at ease there, all right? I'm not out banging hookers or, or compulsively sitting there in front of my right. I'm not. I'm not a porn addict anymore. I'm not. I've got freedom over that, but that is not the primary goal. The primary goal, again, is that that wholeness of being and being in relationship with God and knowing that you're okay, and that Dad loves you. And that you're not alone. Like that's a big one. Aloneness. Not just alone. So going back to his original question, will the cravings for porn ever die down? Um, this is a metaphor that I've used on the show before. The more work you do, the smaller this thing gets. All right. And when I say work, um, I want to address that as well because he... He talked about how, you know, trying to abstain from it is exhausting, right? Feeling like this exhaustion, feeling the, and then feeling the shame when you do fail. Um, I, I relapsed hundreds, thousands of times, all right? It, it takes work. Again, this is why my faith is so incredibly important. And, and again, I'm not just going to say, oh, go pick a religion like the 12-step people. Just go pick a higher power, buddy, you know. <laughs> just, you know, uh, spin the wheel, you know, like the roulette wheel of religion and put your finger. No, man, I don't believe in religion. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why I'm going to talk about my my Christian faith here. Um, the reason I'm a Christian is because it is because God gives me the strength when I don't have it. That's an email I got from another listener. How, how do I get the willpower? You know, it's, it's like that I, feeling like you have to muster up the willpower to do it. Um, another listener who contacted me with a anonymous email address, which I encourage by the way. All right. If you're, if you feel you can't, send me an email because someone might read it and you might get fired or divorced or something like that, then yeah, man, if you have a, another thing is that, you know, if you're a sex addict or if you're doing illicit things, you probably already have a separate identity online that you use to do those things. So let's use that. And, and like this guy did, and I'm, I'm proud of this guy for this, harnessing some of that, that you know, over here, the side kind of energy to do something to change and break this behavior. That is that shows this guy's heart. All right, what, what you do, what your heart is doing, and what your behavior does are two different things. This guy's heart said, "You know what? I have this identity over here that is separate. That is 
like that vampire metaphor that I talk about, right? Or the werewolf analogy. We're going into Halloween, you know, this, this separate thing. And I'm going to use that to reach out and, and email Russ Shaw and maybe see if I can get some relief in this area because it's freaking killing me and I hate it. And I'm so freaking proud of this guy for doing that. All right. So, yeah, man, if you if you are afraid, I get that. Send me an email again, Russ at ASI247.org. Um, anonymous or not, I encourage both. But he had this he had this um kind of question this charge or this piece of hope this glimmer of hope that says maybe I can do this and for me um, I had to get to the point where I had to let that go Uh, I can't do it the first most important decision is not to build yourself up into the self-actualized I'm awesome I can do it attitude the first most important decision is to surrender all right, you're going to have to call on a power that's higher than yourself. Not just some vague religion, all right? But I'm talking about teasing out your relationship with your creator and the lover of your soul, all right? What if he did come into human flesh, walk among us, just to just to let us know how much he loves us, all right? And that it's not about behavior, all right? It's not if 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 by my works uh, I could do it, then Christ came and died for nothing. All right, that's Galatians two twenty one, I believe. Um, it's important, man. I I did not do this on my own. I did not do this through my own willpower. I have very little willpower. I don't. I I I'm not a successful freaking dude. I'm not Mister Hyper Disciplined. I'm not. I'm not. All right, do you hear me? I am not. But I drew off a power that was bigger than myself that is the embodiment of love and grace. All right, and that is very, very good news. Can I tell you something? That is the good news. The good news isn't that you do this on your own. That's not good news because you can't. I don't know anybody that has done this just through sheer willpower. Not in the long term. Maybe on the short term, not on the long term. All right. Um, So going back to answering this dude's question, it used to be a 500-pound gorilla that would come up to me, especially when I was alone, right? My wife left for work or went to friends or just wasn't home. The kids weren't home. I'm left with a computer. Uh, That was a huge temptation for me that most of the time I couldn't overcome. And it was like this, again, like this 500-pound gorilla standing behind me and overtaking me. Um, Today, is it still there? Yes, it is. But it's more like a chihuahua, all right? (laughs) It's more like this little yappy thing on the ground that I can kick aside as opposed to it would take me over, all right? But is the 500-pound gorilla in the rearview mirror? Yeah, man. Something Nate Larkin, my friend, said. Uh, I remember and I'm, I'm sober to the fact that it is in the rearview mirror, right? It's back there. It's back there ways. But part of my just living out my life, I'm not worried about it, all right? But it is back there. So the chihuahua is not an issue, 
the gnat, the fly that it is today, um, not an issue. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to poke around in areas where uh, I may be tempted because the temptation is still there. The temptation is different than, than compulsion, all right? Temptation, I mean, we're all tempted. If you say you're not, that's another thing that's in the Bible. If you say you're not tempted, you, you know, to sin, or if you say you're not a sinner, like I've had friends that recovery, uh, Pharisee friends <laughs> who will say, you know, like I'm an addict. Well, you haven't had a drink of alcohol, you know, I'm an alcoholic to saying that when they haven't had a drink in 25 years. Like that doesn't make sense to me. How can you say you're an alcoholic? You haven't had a drink in 25 years. Um, it doesn't add up. So I will say I'm an ex-alcoholic. I'm an ex-drug addict. I'm an ex-porn sex addict. All right. Because the compulsion, my distance from the compulsion is, is pretty far. So I can comfortably say that. But I am a sinner to be sure. All right. I get angry, I get hungry, I get tired, I get grumpy, um, I sin against people who are close to me uh, because I'm not perfect. See, the, we take this word sin and we think it's what other people do or, you know, it's that really, really bad stuff. Oh, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. Sinners go to hell. No, Jesus came and ate and drank with sinners and the religious people didn't like that. And, and asked him why, and he said, hey, it's it's the sick that need help, right? I didn't come for you guys who think you have it all together, which is scary for those guys because they're sinners too. They just don't know it, right? Living in that pride of self-righteousness. Um, I can live in that too. So I'm not just, when it comes to religious people, I'm not an anti-religion guy. Um, sometimes I am, I guess. A lot of people said that. I've had friends challenge me with that. Listen, I read Matthew 23 and see my own. I can be religious in my, you know, not being religious, <laughs> right? I can get self-righteous in my attitudes about it. So, but I'm not, again, like Paul Young said, it's not about systems and rules and procedures and buildings, Right. Those things house, those things are framework for the relationships that take place inside. But primarily, God is in the relationships. God is in the uh, doing life together. God is in, God is love. The Bible says that. The definition of love. Love entered into time and space and put flesh on, walked around with us. All right? Love does things. Fear does things. Um, after hearing this message, uh, you're going to react out of love or fear. All right. Fear and courage. I saw a post by a guy on Facebook, a pastor dude, I forget his name now, but it was brilliant. He said that fear and courage, they kind of feel the same, but they do different things. Right? Fear and courage, right? The feelings of leading up to it are the same. I guess the difference, and this is my words, the difference between fear and courage is that fear will hang around a lot longer, whereas courage, once you make a decision, pushes that stanky, smelly tension out.
Does that make sense? The fearfulness remains unless it just kind of goes away by its own after a while because we forget about it, but then it comes back up again, right? Worry is kind of the same way. Like 90% of the things we worry about never take place. (laughs) But again, going back to fear, I do want to challenge you with some good fear. Fear isn't always bad, right? If you're in war, keep your head down. I get it shot. If you have a, a teenager, my, both my kids drive now, and, and getting them, teaching them to drive was, I want them to instill some good fear in them, all right? You don't drive too fast, man. You're going to get tickets. You could get in a wreck. Don't ever drink and drive. Don't, um, it's, it's good fear. Take this thing on, all right? If it owns you, I've seen more people just hurt and families destroyed and lives ruined by not taking action. I pray that you, you know, ditch the fear and get the courage to cut this cancer out, to seek some help, to start a relationship with the creator of you, who loves you, who knows you from before this planet was even built, knows you, loves you, knows the number of hairs on your head, loves you like that. Building a relationship with the creator and lover of your soul is far the biggest, most important thing. Number one, all right? And then walking life out with some people, some people that you can let in behind the counter there to, who can speak into those inner workings of how we feel and think and love and, and define freedom. One last thing I want you to keep in mind. Don't feel like you have to, like some mountain you have to climb that's so big and huge or some endeavor that you're taking on, right? This recovery from this thing. It's, it's not like that. Like there's no wagon. If I, if I could get the, the wagon thing out of your brain, right? This is not, it's not like you're getting on a wagon and and you're having to, I don't know, you, you get some oars and you have to paddle through because it's hard and difficult and you're on this, right? This horrible endeavor, this mountain to climb, right? That's don't look at it like that, right? Here's the deal. You're going to live your life. There's no wagon. All right. It's just, Tuesday is going to come, all right? Um, Next year, it's it's going to be there. It's just, this is your life. It's pouring out. This is some of the uh, theology about worship, right? The reformers talking about how our whole lives are an act of worship, that we're just, we're we're like a garden hose with no shut-off valve. It's just pouring out constantly every single day. You will live your life. It's just a matter of how, all right? And and again, don't think of this as some huge endeavor. Just take it one day at a time. It's just breaking your life down to one day at a time increments. It's like Jesus said, you know, tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Just worry about today. Don't worry about today. Just, right? Just, if if we break things down to today, can you get through today? 
yeah, you can get through today. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Next week has enough trouble of its own. But you can get through today. And remembering that and praying on that and keeping that in mind every day is so critically important. I'll leave you with a, uh, a bumper by Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, one of those guys, man, uh, the Eagles, right? I mean, this guy's been around. He's older now. He's one of those King Solomon kind of stories. Had enough money, drugs, women. I mean, this guy, all right, and had some issues with that. You know, just because you have wealth, success, and fame doesn't make you happy. I think we, we've established that just looking around. And uh, a song he wrote, I, I love this. I played it before, but I'm going to end the show on this bumper because I think it's appropriate. Again, uh, my email address, russ at asi247.org. Keep me in your prayers. Um, I appreciate your, your prayers. Uh, donations help keep this thing uh, alive. It takes money. It costs money. Uh, thank you for that. There's been a lot of... Um, Again, time I've had to invest in in uh, loving on people as a result of this thing getting more popular. So, um, again, your donations help give me the time to do those things as opposed to selling pizza, <laughs> right? So uh, I appreciate any funds you could send my way. I hate asking for money, but it, facts are it does cost money. The system that is the ASI podcast, um, it takes time and it takes money. So, But your prayers especially are most important in this season. Um, again, it's like I, I picked a fight with the devil himself, <laughs> right? So... Uh, I'm not worried about that, but uh, I could use your prayers in that area, all right? I love you guys. I mean that sincerely, I do. I thank you for contacting me. I thank you for listening to the show. Even if you never contact me or email me or like me on Facebook or Twitter or all the distraction on social media that's thicker, um, I appreciate you. I do. Until next time. Bye.